Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. you're singing today. Um, if you have your Bibles, you would turn to Genesis chapter number 25. Genesis chapter number 25 is where we're going to be. Um, can I get one of those? Did you write your message this morning? Yes, I did. Um, so Genesis chapter number 25, a lot of Scripture references today, and so I'm not going to take the time to go and read through all of them. I'm going to encourage you to maybe go back and look some of these up um, on your own, and then uh, I would encourage you, like I said, to to maybe go and find that and uh, look through some of it. And so, anyways, uh, Genesis chapter 25, I'm going to assume and kind of work from uh, kind of the, your Bible knowledge on the life of Jacob today. And so we're really looking at a whole of the life of Jacob. When we talk about God's will, um, sometimes it's hard to just maybe pull uh, one story or one reference out. And so we've kind of done this with a couple of different uh, passages and a couple of different stories. We did Joseph a couple of weeks ago. And so today we are actually going to close this series out um, with what I pray is going to be a helpful lesson to you on what to do when you step out of God's will. What to do when you step out of God's will. We've talked a lot about staying in God's will, finding God's will, discovering it for your life and how you know that. But the truth is, is that we are imperfect human beings, okay? We understand that, right? I was going to have you vote on it, and subconsciously I did not have you vote on it, all right? So, um, but we are imperfect human beings, and so we understand that a perfect God who has a perfect will and a perfect plan for our life even though his way and his will is perfect, sometimes we are not, right? We understand that, okay? So for us, what we have to sometimes struggle and wrestle with is what happens when I step out of God's will? How do I live as a result of that? How do I change? How do I tweak things? Um, I believe very clearly that scripture teaches that God has a perfect will or plan or whatever you want to call it for everybody's life. Um, There are times in our lives where we question that. Times of difficulty, times of trials, times of maybe questions and doubts, and we don't understand that. Um, But there are also times where we knowingly maybe fall into sin, maybe we're tempted, maybe we make a choice based on wrong motives, maybe maybe we determine something, or maybe we act in a way that is ungodly, and so because of that, we step out of God's will. I've heard people say before that in five minutes you can ruin what's taken you a lifetime to build, and you have moments like that, okay? God does not call you to be perfect to be in his will, but here's what we understand. Because we are imperfect, we sometimes miss a perfect will of God. We sometimes choose our own way. We choose, go back to lesson number six or whatever it was, we choose my will over thy will. So we're faced with that so often. 
But what I really want to do from the life of Jacob today is simply this, is to simply pull out a couple of principles that you can take and that you can apply to hopefully your life, but also to someone else's life for when they might step out of God's will. I wish I could tell you that most Christians catch the stepping out of God's will on the front end. But the truth is, is we often catch it on the back end, right? We catch it once the consequences come. We catch it once maybe things get difficult. We realize we made a mistake and then we don't know what to do. Unfortunately, very few people come in and sit in my office or in the offices of our pastoral staff and they say, hey, this is where I'm feeling tempted. This is where I'm feeling led. And I just don't want to miss it here. So what do I need to do on the front end? Most of the time, it's the brokenness on the back end that is the wake up call. And so what I want to do is just pull out a couple of principles, like I said, from the life of Jacob that you can take and that you can apply, that you can maybe use to help someone to say, this is what our path is moving forward after maybe stepping out of God's will. And so let's read Genesis chapter number 25. Let's begin reading in verse number 22. Um, this is really just the introduction that the scriptures give us um, to stay, or uh, the scriptures kind of introduce us to the life of Jacob. And so, anyways, um, Genesis chapter number 25, we'll begin reading in verse number 22, verse number 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived, and the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. So already a very powerful promise. And two manner of people shall be separated from thy vows, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days were delivered, or when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. So now you see who is going to rule over the younger. Esau is who comes out first. And after that came his brother. And his hand took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter and a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Which, by the way, if you choose your favorite child based off of food, then probably got more problems than what you need to deal with all right so uh but he liked he liked Esau's venison so he was his favorite all right and Jacob sawed pottage and Esau came from the field and he was faint and Esau said to Jacob feed me I pray thee with that same red pottage for I am faint therefore was his name called Edom and Jacob said sell me this day thy birthright and Esau said behold I am at the point to die and what profit shall this birthright do to me also we have some deep family issues here all right if you're willing to sell your inheritance because you're hungry there's a lot of food decisions based off of in this family all right so we're choosing our favorite children based off of food and now we're selling our inheritance based off of food and so um i think that they would be considered modern day foodies all right we'll give them that and jacob said swear to me this day and he swear unto him and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and a pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And so, very early on in the life of Jacob, we see how that he is working to kind of make his own way, 
to kind of live life the way that he wants to, to make sure that he's the one that rises to the top. And sometimes it feels as though that we spend so much time working to get our way that we often miss God's way. And so I want us to talk for just a couple of minutes on what to do when you step out of God's will. What to do when you step out of God's will. This may not apply to everyone in the room, okay? In fact, I pray that it applies to a much smaller percentage than it does a larger percentage. But here's what we know, okay? Because we are imperfect, either us, we, me, I, will make a mistake at some point and step out of God's will, okay? But we also know that those around us will have moments like that. To where maybe sin will push them out of God's will. And my prayer is simply this. It's to put a red flag on the edge of the mountain so that you have some clear paths to get back up. Because so many times, here's what I see. Well, I failed. I messed up. I'm already in plan B. I'm already in plan C. So now I guess I'm just going to let the spiral continue. Jacob did not do that. In fact, what we, I want us to get to the end because I think there's something so powerful in the life of Jacob that no matter who you are, you can take and apply it to your life. And so let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we ask that you would, um, that you would just work in our hearts today. Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to say, God, I ask that you would help me as I look through um, your word and, Lord, try to share your heart for your people. Lord, the life of Jacob is so intriguing, and so, God, I ask that you would uh, just, once again, help this to sink down deep into our hearts and into our lives. God, I don't know where everyone in the room is, Lord. I, I get a little glimpse of where many people are during the week. And it seems like for whatever reason, the last couple of months and has really forced people to choose their will over your will. And so, God, I ask that if there's any in this room that has maybe made a mistake, Lord, they've maybe slipped out of your known will for some reason by doing things their own way. God, I ask you to help them not to continue in that. Lord, may there be a little wake-up call today. Lord, if there's any here that are they're maybe considering that, maybe they're, maybe they're looking and, and kind of delving into what they want to do in this life, and, and they're going to end up missing what you have for them. Lord, I ask you to help them to, to stay close to you, Lord, that they would stay within what you have for them. Lord, if there's any that are faced with an opportunity to help someone, I ask that you would help them to be able to apply this to their own lives, but Lord also use it to be a blessing and a help to someone else. We ask all these things in your name we pray. Amen. <coughs> the life of Jacob was something that came with obviously a lot of promises, a lot of a lot of blessings. And so we understand that you fast forward to the to Jacob's life and then you see that he ends up becoming the father or the leader of Israel. In fact, his name is changed to Israel in Genesis chapter number 32, I believe. Or, or yeah, Genesis 32. And so he is changed to Israel. He becomes the leader of Israel. He becomes the father of Israel. Esau also becomes the father of a nation. But this promise was given very early on. Now, the scriptures don't necessarily tell us whether or not Jacob and Esau knew of this promise. But we would assume that based off of the way that kind of 
generations taught each other and the way that people shared things with their children and the way that blessings and kind of the way that the world was going, that maybe at an early age, Jacob and Esau did know about that, okay? We're not going to work off that, of assu that assumption, but we do understand that that was most likely the case. And so very early on, really, the, as soon as we see them born, the very next thing that we see is that Isaac loves Esau, and now all of a sudden, uh, Jacob is kind of working to get a head start or get a little jump on Esau. And so he takes away his birthright through maybe some deception or maybe maybe unfair trade or whatever you want to call it. And so he, he uses and kind of elevates himself. You go later on into Genesis chapter number uh, 20, or 27, yeah, Genesis 27, and you get the story of where Jacob and Esau are there. Isaac says, bless me one more time. Isaac has been stricken with blindness, and so he sends Esau out into the field, and he says, I want you to go and kill me some venison. I want you or kill me a deer and make some venison for me so that I can enjoy it one more time. And so Jacob and Rebecca hear all of this going on and, and they decide to <laughs> deceive Isaac one more time so that uh, Jacob gets the blessing. And so a lot of deception in that. And here's what we sometimes feel. There is often a waiting period between the promise and the fulfillment. Okay. There's often a waiting period between the promise and the fulfillment. I would like to say that everyone in the room has, has some sort of promise on their life, but that, I don't think that that's quite the application from this verse. But here's what we know, is that God does have a plan for every single one of us in this life. And sometimes there is a waiting period between the plan that God has for us and the actual fulfillment of the plan. Sometimes the fulfillment of that plan is not even known until heaven itself. We don't get to see it through God's eyes. And here's where I see many young adults miss this, is that somewhere between the plan and the fulfillment of the plan, there's some mistakes that fall in the gaps. There's some stepping out and kind of taking control their own way. There's, for lack of a better term, there's the stealing of a birthright. There's a deception for a blessing. So we kind of take it into our own hands. We rush the process. We, we begin to play God with our life. Because we're not good at waiting. We're not good at just standing still and saying, God, will you please work this out? And that happens sometimes. It happens in our dating lives. Lord, I know you've got someone out here for me, but I'm going to rush the process and I'm going to end up with someone that I know is not right for me. It comes with maybe the marriage process. Comes with our, our immorality maybe before marriage or, or maybe outside of marriage, okay? It comes with maybe a job. It comes with an education. Well, I'm just going to do what's easiest. I'm just going to do what's convenient. It comes with maybe how we interact with others, our relationships with others. We rush the process because we want the plan. We want the blessings of God's plan, but we don't always want to wait until the fulfillment. And so we often step outside of maybe God's will, God's boundaries to go and find that on our own. And that's exactly what Jacob did in chapters 25 and chapter 27. He begins to really take control of what God's plan is. He begins to maybe connive and work so that he's the one that is recognized rather than God being the one that is recognized. But I want you to notice the main idea of the lesson, okay? It's there in your notes. And here's what I want you to see is don't let failure open the door for you to miss the grace and goodness of God in his will. Mistakes happen. 
God doesn't call you to be perfect. One of the things that we tell our children often is this, is that we're not asking you to be perfect. Jesus was perfect for you, okay? If you were perfect, you wouldn't need a Savior, okay? I don't want you to miss that. But what we so often do is, well, I messed up. I'm outside of God's will, so I guess that's going to be an excuse for me to go and do life the way that I want to. And here's what you'll miss. You'll miss that God is a God of second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and a hundredth chances. And you'll miss his grace and his goodness and his perfection in his will when you just simply say, I guess I screwed up, I guess I messed up, so I'm done. I'm going to step out, I'm going to continue down that path. That is not what God wants for his children. It's not what Jacob exhibited at all. And so the first thing that I want you to see is don't go further outside of God's will or don't continue outside of God's will. Don't keep delving into it. You say, okay, if, if God's will is this box, if God's, if God's boundaries that he has for my life that, that I know are perfect, if that's what they are, and I step outside of them, I, I, I'm now outside of God's will. Sometimes we're faced with that decision to where we can say, okay, well, the spiral has already started, so I guess I'll continue, okay? You mess up and you, you fail, you sin, you, you get in a relationship that may not be correct. Don't put your, don't continue in that position. Why would you want to stay outside of the perfect boundaries of God's will? Don't continue in that. And Jacob in Genesis chapter number 28 has a very surreal moment to where now he's stolen a birthright through deception. He has not only stolen a birthright through deception, but now he's <laughs> stolen a blessing through deception. And in Genesis chapter number 28, he has to basically decide how much further am I going to want to go? So he goes and he flees to Laban, where he goes and, he, and the whole goal, you can see it in Genesis 28, is for him to find a wife, okay? And he has an opportunity to basically continue further out of God's will. This is a guy who now has his family's inheritance, who now has the blessing of his father over his brother, who has the promise of being a great nation on his head, and he has the opportunity to go and say, man, with all of those, I'm going to go and marry whoever the stink I want. Right? But he goes in, and here's what I want you to see secondly, okay, calling from that story, is not only don't continue further out of God's will, but don't allow the consequences to drive you further out of God's will. Amen. Don't allow the consequences to allow you further out of God's will. Let's talk for just a second. Jacob goes to Laban. He begins to work for him. Who is the wife that he is working for? Someone talk to me. Okay? Rachel. Rachel. Okay. Who's he get first? Leah. Leah. Right? It's interesting to me that the deceiver gets deceived. Okay? And can I just... Can, can I just talk to your head and your heart for just a second? It's interesting to me when people who have been shown grace by the grace of God, by the hand of God, they messed up, they failed, but they're the first and they're the quickest to call everyone else on their failures. What if Jacob, after all of these years of deception, after literally having a life 
that from Scripture is defined by deception, and he gets deceived. Okay? What if he goes and he's like, well, I'm just going to give up then. I'm not going to wait on Rachel. I'm just going to go and do what I want. Forget Leah. The deceiver gets deceived, and I want you to watch this, okay? There are consequences to our actions. We understand that. And sometimes I would dare even say that there is retribution. There is holy retribution for our actions. That God, in some ways, almost has a sense of humor. Some of the stuff you see come full circle in someone's life is something that you can experience, okay? It's something that you can see. And Jacob has a consequence that kicks in. I would dare say that if Jacob would have gotten everything that he would he got at that point, if he would have gotten it in a righteous and godly manner, you don't have Genesis 28 Laban, okay? But God has a little sense of humor and basically says, here's a little bit of payback. Here's a little bit of taste of your own medicine. You thought you were getting Rachel, you're going to work harder and you're going to get to get Rachel and you're stuck with Leah at the first part, okay? You're going to get deceived. You're going to get tricked. And so he has a chance to say, I'm going to allow these consequences to say, I give up on God. But here's what I want to get to and what I want to walk you through, okay? Don't stay out of God's will. That's a dumb decision. Just because you mess up, get back in the fence as soon as you can. Amen. Okay? Don't let consequences drive you further. Okay? Sometimes we think, well, something bad happened, so I guess that's just God's way of saying that he's done with me. No, 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 no. That's God's way of trying to get you back. Okay? Whom he loveth, he chasteneth. Scourgeth every son that believeth. If God is working something in your life, it's not to drive you further away. It's to pull you closer in. It's to realize how much you need him. But here's what I want you to see. Discover for yourself the God of the will. Discover for yourself the God of the will. Can you walk with me through scripture with this? Genesis chapter number 28. You've got these verses here. Okay? Genesis chapter number 28. This is right before he meets... Um, he, he meets Rachel, okay? So he's on his way. Many people refer to this as Jacob's ladder. It's the vision of Jacob's ladder. I want you to see this. Look at verse number 19. Actually, let's get some context. Verse number 16. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. Probably not who you want to see after you just stole a birthright and after you just deceived your father into a blessing. So he's on the run now. And he lays down to sleep, and he wakes up after this dream. He goes, whoa, God is here. The last person I wanted to see, other than maybe Esau, okay? And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. Does anybody know what Bethel means? It's the house of God. So he says, basically, God is here. God is here. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter number 32. Genesis chapter number 32. 
Genesis 32, let's go and look at verse number 30, okay? So now Jacob has seen the ladder, and he says, Bethel, God is here, okay? God is here. Kind of impersonal. The house of God. This is where God's at. The last person I wanted to see right after I had lived this life of deception, okay? So now this is after... Uh, this is after Rachel and Leah, and now he is he is faced, and he comes face to face with Esau, and everything begins to kind of work itself out. He begins to see some of the fulfillment of God's plan. Once you look at verse number thirty, this is where he's wrestled with God through the night. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. Here's what it means: For I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun arose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the high, uh, unto the thigh, unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew that shrank. Okay, so let's walk through this progression together. Bethel, God is here. God is there. God, this is the house of God. Okay? Genesis chapter number 32, Peniel. I have seen God face to face. Not only have I seen God face to face, but now I have a physical limitation. Or I have a physical appearance that proves that I have seen God face to face. I heard a guy say one time about this passage is that God would much rather work through someone with a limp than with a swagger. And I think that many times we try to walk through this life with a swagger that we have built ourselves when God's wanting to work through a limp, when God's wanting to touch us, when God's wanting to change us because we have seen him face to face. And sometimes hard times, that limp comes by seeing God face to face. So he says, God is here, the house of God, Bethel, Peniel. I have seen God face to face. But then go to Genesis chapter number 33. Genesis chapter number 33. I want you to look at verse number 20. Let's go back to verse number 18 for some context. And Jacob came to Shalim, a city of Shechem, which is the city which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padan Aram and pitched his tent before the city, and he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money. And he erected there an altar and called it El Elohi Israel. He says, this is the God of Israel. So can you walk through this progression with me? Bethel, God is here. So I'm going to run. Peniel, I have seen God face to face and I am changed as a result of it. El Elohi Israel, this is the God of Israel. And I want you to listen to this. God is mine. I'm choosing God. Bethel, I don't, I don't really want to be here. If God's here, I'm out. I'm running. A couple of years of serving and maybe even being deceived himself, and he comes to Peniel. I have seen God. I have experienced God for myself, and I am different because of it. El Elohi Israel not only is God choosing me, I'm choosing God. 
Not only has God changed me, I want God to change me. I'm surrendering myself to him. And can I just encourage you with this? You don't have to be perfect to be in God's will. But here's what you do have to be. You do have to have moments where you discover for yourself who God is and what he means to you. If not, you will never trust the God of the will. He'll just be a God up in heaven who kept you from enjoying something that you wanted. He'll just be a God who has rules for you. He'll just be a God who doesn't, doesn't really care about you. He'll just be a God that has hurt you. And unless you walk through this progression, you cannot understand the will of God. Can you imagine as Jacob, with every step that he took and every limp as he built that altar and then declared it, El Elohi Israel, this is the God of Israel. Sometimes we like to assume that just because something's in the Bible that these people didn't have a choice to choose the God of the Bible. Okay? Jacob was in foreign lands. Jacob had people, people all around him. God's calling. Uh, Jacob had people all around him that were searching, that were false idol worshipers, okay? Jacob could have chosen another God. In fact, I think that when you go to his lowest in Genesis 28, and he says, God is here, how dreadful is this place? He's probably not a guy who's really looking for Jehovah God. If God's here, I'm out. This is Bethel. This is the house of God. God is here, but then Peniel, I have seen God. I have experienced him face to face. And then El Elohi Israel, this is going to be my God and the God of my children and this country. And I want you to see this for yourself, but also for those around you that hopefully you can be helped to. Is that you can talk someone through their mistakes all you want. Spend a lot of time doing it. But unless they are willing to choose God and experience him for yourself, it's just spiritual talk. And unless you are willing to experience God for yourself, you will miss out on his will. You'll miss it. Because you'll be too concerned with your own way. You'll be too concerned with doing it the way that it makes sense to you simply because you have not experienced God for yourself. Before we pray, let me just kind of share one thing with you, okay? When I, I guess, first took this class and was kind of trying to fill my way out in 2000, whatever it was, it was a long time ago, okay? 2013, I think. Um, I didn't really know even what to do. I just knew that I, I didn't know what to do. Okay, that was basically the extent of that statement, all right? I didn't know what to teach on. I didn't know what to talk about. But as I got around people, and as I got around at that point, a lot of people who were maybe in our church that had either left the church or they were just kind of hanging on by a thread. And as we kind of talked with young adults, one of the things that I found was this, was that really the people who came and sat in this room on Sunday morning had a religion or a God or a faith or whatever you want to call it that was handed to them. Okay? A lot of second, third, fourth, some of you guys are fifth generation Christians. 
And so the Bible, the Word of God, whatever you want to call it, Christianity was handed to you. And sometimes it gets kind of awkward. Like, well, I don't know what to believe. And my grandma had all these answers to prayer, and I don't even know how to pray. And my dad and mom, they go to church every single Sunday, but they fought at home or, or whatever the case may be. There's a thousand different scenarios. And so kind of one of the main things that became a part of my life and a part of my teaching was this, is that I want you to discover Christianity and the God of the Bible for yourself. Because if you don't do it for yourself, there's nothing that I can teach or preach or talk about that's going to keep you in church and keep you walking with God. Okay? There's no amount of good breakfast cinnamon rolls that we can bring in to keep you in church. And so many times what ends up happening is one of two things. We either fake it till we make it, like, well, I, don't figure, I don't know this Christian thing, I don't know how sure I am about it, so I guess I'll just kind of blend in, not ask the right questions, and whatever, okay? Or we run from it. I don't understand it, I don't get it, so I'm out. And as I drilled further down into what really caused either one of those two scenarios, I believe many times it is this. Is we don't know how to handle difficulty. We don't know how to handle mistakes. We don't know how to handle sin. We don't know how to handle failures. And so we end up allowing our failures that Jesus Christ came to die for being the very thing that pushes us further away from him. There could not be anything more illogical. When a God who sent his son to die for imperfection, that's not an opportunity for us to say you have to be perfect okay it is an opportunity for us to step back and say god is good and god is gracious and he is all those things and that's not an excuse for us to do more that's an opportunity for us to run to him in our moments of failure and i believe that the life of jacob illustrates that he runs from god and he sees god bethel and he says i don't want to be here and there's some of you that right now you're in a bethel Location. God's here, ha, I'm done. I don't want to be here. And some of you right now, you're floating, you're waiting in between Bethel and Peniel. You know God has a plan for your life. There's some things that might hurt, there's some things that might be difficult, but I don't, and I don't know why. And you're between Bethel and Peniel, and my encouragement to you is this, is experience God for yourself be changed as a result of it it might mean a limp it might mean you're not the same person it might mean that you have a different prayer life it might mean some hurts and some struggles but let the Peniel moment change you so that you can have the El Elohi moment where you say not only do I know God and have I seen God but I am choosing God and I am choosing his way for my life and so with every head bowed and every eye Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.